0: most people just don't ask and I asked and I asked very um, annoyingly because everyone's career path is like linear very easy to predict like that they're just going like step by step whereas this is either I you know just like take a longer time to go one up or I just go like that right and my startup currently has 5,000 pounds in funding for six months great right mm-hmm. like I was getting the question every day Joel, are you sure you don't want to do banking? You don't want to do banking? Like, are you sure? Are you sure? I think you should do banking. Do a master's, do a master's, right? <laughs> and like, even today, I get that actually. Which longer you are in the race, the better the odds you have, in my opinion, right? No one could have told me that I would have become a prop tech founder, ever. In the beginning, I didn't know how to sell myself. I didn't know how to pitch myself.
1: Podcast. We love to talk shop, uncover the beauty of failures, and play a few games. Today, unfortunately, mm-hmm. we have Joel Alexander, an old friend and an avid entrepreneur. So, Joel, all of us met at LSC. and um, there you also became the Forbes 30 scholar. We then co-founded Project Access India together, and then you became a One Young World ambassador. That all of us co-founded Mission mm-hmm. Co and then he did two stints in business and strategy before starting out, which is now kendall so we know we haven't missed anything given that we were part of the journey uh,
0: but how are you feeling today Wow, well, uh, well, i really didn't expect the first question to be how i'm doing but um, we were actually talking about it in the car idea. Right i'm actually doing all right i think you know next bag always uh, but I'm, I'm really happy to be here with you guys and like you know getting to brag in front of my two <laughs> closest friends is like always a pleasure and a privilege. So yeah, I'm happy to be here. Nice. So we're going to
2: play a quick little game right, right. to understand a little more about Candle AI. Yeah. You know, this is called the Twitter Pit Challenge oh, God. and Twitter is known for its 280 character limit on every tweet, right. tweet which sometimes makes it slightly harder to convey your thoughts. So it takes about 20 seconds to speak to 80 characters and that's your challenge to explain to us Candle AI in 20 seconds. Yeah. But you also need to use one emoji and one hashtag. Your emoji cannot be dropped emoji. Oh, and... go <laughs> on. Okay. Got it? Wait. Sure. We're going to intimidate you a bit with a timer.
0: Yeah. I got a timer over my head all the time. <laughs> this is not new. <laughs> okay, three, two, one, go. Kendall is a social media management tool for the real estate business. Uh, we make sure that brokers and brokerages can focus on what they're good at selling and they don't have to waste their time doing boring back-end things. Hashtag real estate 2024. Hashtag best brokers in the business. Well, One hashtag emoji. Hashtag b sign.
1: Emoji. Oh, wait. What? b sign? <laughs> hashtag P sign. Oh,
0: wow. Oh, hashtag wait. emoji. You got it. My brain is switching. I need another coffee. I uh, Yeah, yeah. So we, you failed, I the, failed
1: challenge. the
2: challenge.
0: Oh, Good man. start. Good yeah, start. <laughs> yeah. Am I going to have to do like push ups or something now? Like uh,
1: We should now start we should start.
0: Yeah, we should we definitely should, exactly do, do that. I to be honest. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay, so yeah. you've worked with both of us. Mm-hmm. But, but more importantly, we've done two things together we've done Project Access and also Reshape. So, what was your favorite thing about working with me?
0: I, oh wow! I wow! Thought gonna, I thought you were just gonna say who's better. You told it to go unscripted, Barry. This is not a scripted question. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. What's my favorite thing about working with you? Yes. The thing is, I'm not a very organized person, and you're an extremely organized person, right? You hit the
2: nail on the head. That's exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and it's it's really refreshing to have that sense of structure uh, in amidst all the chaos, because you know I'm this visionary, <laughs> and like you know it's it's. It's tough to contain all the chaos, right? And like, you really helped me do that. Only you can take a compliment and turn it into that. Exactly. You know, know, also, I I give like, like, right now I'm just like shooting the shit. So, (laughs) yeah. Um,
1: No, I mean, jokes apart, um, your entire like journey and experiences have been quite like individualistic and different from like the rest. So, is this why you think that it's led to you becoming an entrepreneur right out of uni?
0: Um, no, I, I I think it's a mixture of, like you said in the start, actually failures and things like that that have led uh, here. I had a huge, I mean, you guys know this, obviously, uh, a huge academic setback at the very start of my university sort of education. And that's when I stopped associating myself with sort of grades as the determinant of like my worth, and then uh, moved it more into kind of like the impact that I could have on the world. And that's when we did Project Access India, right? We were helping like People from diverse socioeconomic backgrounds get higher education in the U.S., U.K., negotiating soft loans for them and this kind of stuff. And it just like baffled me that we were doing like all these societies and things like that and making made up positions, head of this, president of that and all this kind of stuff. And we thought we were, if you're president of like India Society, we're prime minister of India or something like that. It's really not the case. Right. But that's what it felt like. And it's very easy to get sucked into that system, that machine. But I think what I realized was there's so much value in sort of taking a, a step back and really look at what's outside. And literally a few blocks away from our campus in London, there was a WeWork space where there was hundreds of startups working on their cool projects. Project Access happened to be one of them, right? Um, and like being in a Slack channel with 210 other people from all parts of the world, like just blew my mind. Cause I was like, wait, there's so many people that care about a cause without earning any money But like, and of course, it's a privilege to be able to do all that kind of stuff. But like, still, it was like, so refreshing to me to see that something was being done with just pure intention. Uh, And like, you know, that's what like really opened my eyes up. And initially, it was just about having an impact, do good in the world kind of a thing. And now it's about sort of having that embedded impact in the lives of billions of people. And how can you really do that? And how can you see scale, right? So that's really like where I'm at right now. And you know how that sort of journey kind of started and then obviously you know multiple things we've all worked together on like more than one thing now so um yeah
1: yeah so f- like one of the most exciting things i think so to- i think was working um other we work office yeah, yeah. i think like it was right next to LSE and then yeah. like seeing people work for so many incredible like companies all yep. under one roof and then us just going for an hour for our project access <laughs> Yeah, it was very you. It was though. like, Oh wow, like you know, we gotta be a part of this world even though we're not uh, part of it yeah it was a tuesday but, yeah.
0: right like i think every yeah. tuesday we'd need to just go in and check in with the coo of the company and give our updates some weeks we'd have like no updates and we're like so we negotiated <laughs> we're in the process of like but we yeah, would still just this... go
1: to like enjoy the space oh yeah like yeah. we go a little early just to chill there <laughs> just and, to like, have
0: free coffee yeah, like, yeah. You know, the lemonade or whatever it is that they give um, rip WeWork though, and like also uh, also rip all the other startups that were probably working out of there. Like uh, I, I do think that London has a great pool of startups in the deep tech and sort of biotech spaces. I do think that a lot of you know the entrepreneurial energy has died down, and I you know really wish it would pick back up. Yeah. Uh, so. But going back to another thing that you
2: said about like working in societies at yeah. university, I think so I. <clears throat> I was lucky enough to have the chance to head up the LSE India Forum, right? but I will say this, a lot of what I was doing back then is what I do now. Like mm. right now my business is awards and conferences, that yep. was a conference. And I'm not joking, that was a profitable conference. We, yep. did, like, we did get actual sponsorship money, there was true value to the company yep. that was sponsoring us. We flew in, like ideally we unfortunately got hit by COVID, but we would have flown in 20 Indians in business class and brought them to London to give a talk and everything. So there was like, it was almost like a taste of business for me. so in that sense, I, I, of course the titles and everything were a little,
0: let's yeah. say. Um, no, no, I agree with you. And like, look, it, it makes sense in the context of that specific example yeah. and your life today, right? And you're so different from mo- like most 99.9% of people out there and like what they're doing as well. But if you look at, let's take the example of the trading society. You're the president of the trading society, you go into Morgan Stanley first year, you're still like every other, like, you know, uh, person that's on the trading floor, you're not president of shit, like, you know, and like, you basically have to climb up the ladder for 20 years, work your, like, wake up when the market's open, clock off when the market's close, like, you know, do all the same things that everyone else does, there's really no ownership in that thing, until you gain like a significant level of credibility, and it takes like a long period of time to build that. But in the context of that specific example, in your case, I agree, it makes total sense. But for most people, I think it was just a made up position that they just enjoyed the clout of having and like did the elections, did the pizza parties. And like, it's just like, you know, privileged people um, making other people more privileged than they already are. Like, whereas we got the opportunity, in my opinion, to work with people who didn't have that opportunity. And for me, that was a lot more exciting at the time. Um, I do think it's important like the work that you were doing was like democratizing that information that's held in like those closed rooms and like disseminating it out into like the broader world I think that's important Um, and we don't often get access to those conversations Um, but yeah again your example is very very like specific but I also
1: think that um, the India forum was the closest it came to running a business for any society, like if you compare just LSC and Soc versus like what they were doing versus what you were doing, it's vastly different and the impact is also different. So I think you're coming from that point of view. I mean, obviously there's no, like there's no shade to the others but it's like, I get what you mean. Maybe
0: my experience was just very different in a society compared to, look at your thing, right? You were talking to the presidents of large media companies. You were talking to large sports personalities, celebrities who are like running the show in the home market. Like that is India. Right. So like that is useful because you can pick up the phone later and call them as well. Like a couple of years down the line, Hey, remember me, I'm, I'm, I was hustling them and I'm hustling now. Right. Whereas, I don't think being like vp of india soft like way back when like does anything for me like i can't go up to uh, like you know the pmo uh office or whatever but be like, but, but yeah. consider this yeah if you're planning an event for
2: kendall right whether it's a launch event or like yeah. some kind of party if you're planning a physical event wouldn't that experience be helpful
0: i never plan parties like i don't do that like uh, we've people <laughs> for that like you know what i'm saying like it's just uh also, like, I uh, there's a lot of power in digital marketing. It's literally what the business is about, <laughs> social media marketing, right? So I'm very, uh, I, I believe in in-person community a lot, uh, but I don't think we've reached that scale where we can afford to even spend on that kind of stuff just yet. Um, and I think there's people that's way better at it than I am. So I would never, like, you know, dabble um, better at other things. So, yeah.
2: But as a founder, it is important for you, like, for example, right? Yeah. If you, you are a tech founder. Now you have a technical co-founder. Yeah. But let's say you didn't, right? Yeah. You would yourself want to know at least, like, at least have a taste of what it's like, yeah. so that you can lead your people better. Yeah. Right. So 100%. in everything, like every part of your role as a as a co-founder, let's say you look into four different aspects. Yeah. Right? You would want to have some level of skill in each of those four aspects, even if you have people for them, because you need to lead them. Yeah. So I feel like we are obviously we're made up of the experiences that we've had but yeah I think at university there was some level of external experience that all of these things gave us that university never could have
1: yeah yeah I feel like I always say that that LSE wasn't necessarily more of the academic experiences but everything that yeah. like surrounded it and one of it was society so yeah even in terms of like there's no direct impact but internally there's some kind of influence in the way that i am yeah. today but i also think that like it's we are like 18 it's like a part yeah. of the university experience like it's not supposed to be that deep either
0: yeah. right
1: like you just also <laughs> want to like it enjoy ended up,
0: yeah i think it ended up being that way for us but
1: because yeah. uh, like, india you know, soft we all were part of the committee at yeah. some point was a lot of fun. It like, was a lot of yeah, fun. Yeah. Like, I think that's what I gained out of that experience. Yeah. And we
2: made our own little community out of it. I yeah. think yeah. that was also like, quite important. But yeah. speaking of LSE and the fact that all three of us went there, give us your most important takeaway from college in your life as an entrepreneur today.
0: Yeah. So I think something that a lot of people that go to LSE do is this mentality of, hey, we just pay them the fees every single year and then they give us education. We never ask them for money. Right. Like, except for if you're running a society as like, you know, especially like, which is like huge financial, you know, undertaking. Right. Um, But I actually went in and asked for sponsorship for me and a couple of others to attend One Young World, which is not cheap if you're attending, you know, as a corporate or whatever it is. But being able to get nine thousand pounds to sponsor, you know, a bunch of kids to go and attend the conference is like a huge value-add and something that people wouldn't even think of. Like, they just think that, oh, the university is not going to give us money. But you realize that people have budgets for everything, right? Yeah. Budgets to ensure that, like, you know, the learnings that we get from there, we come and spread onto campus, etc. those kind of things. That's like one avenue. second thing was getting a 5,000-pound grant from LSE, which literally kickstarted sort of like, you know, a huge part of my entrepreneurial journey. So that's, if you take that into account, 9,000, 5,000, and then they also like flew me out to the Forbes under 30 summit, plus paid for my hotels and things. I have never been flown out for anything before. <laughs> so that also costs money. And if you think about it, that's like roughly 16, 18K pounds. If you ask any other LSE student and ask them how much money LSE invested in them outside of education, I'd be shocked to see how much they can directly attribute to themselves. And here I can say that I gave Excellent you model. got one year of educational yeah, experience. Actually, exactly. Yeah. Right, so that was very different because most people just don't ask, and I asked, and I asked very um, annoyingly. So that's why. As I, you do. Yeah, <laughs> as I do. As I do. So that's that's what was I think different for me and what I learned. Like always ask. Yeah.
1: Okay, so like yeah, you started with like asking there, and then I think was it in like your final year of uni where you were like set on that? Okay, fine, I don't want to do a job, but I want to now start something of my own
0: yeah i think i had done enough things by then we had the ed tech piece we had the um, consulting thing um, and then we also had a sustainable fashion stint by then like you know we had done so many different projects gathered so many different people for ideas that we didn't really have expertise in but we built expertise in that so it was kind of clear to me that i wanted to that i believe that you know because i was already on like See, as far as I was concerned, other people were already one step ahead of me, right? So I was like, I have nothing to lose here. Realistically, if I miss one year of being like year one analyst, year two analyst or something like that, I can catch up quite quickly. It's not really that big of a difference because everyone's career path is like linear, very easy to predict like that. They're just going like step by step. Whereas this is either, I you know, just like take a longer time to go one up or I just go like that, right? And that's what ended up happening. And it's just I spent... Like, six months, literally the day after I uh, finished my last exam, I was working with Better Nature, which is the food text I was doing BD for. And it was just, like, go straight into it. And I, obviously, it was really hard to see, like, a lot of my friends make a lot more money than me because it was, like, you know, at the time I was making, like, probably, uh, I don't know, 1800 bucks in total every single month, right? Um, and that's not great when you consider that, you know.
1: By the way, I don't think that's a lot like I don't but think that's you're from, making a lot more than you but yeah I was working two
0: jobs though right not yeah. just from just like one thing right and like also the part where you have to explain to Indian parents that hey like I'm not taking a full-time job that pays me a stable income I'm like kind of like freelancing kind of vibes right yeah. now and um, you know maybe become something because I'm working on my startup on the side as well and my startup currently has £5,000 in funding for six months great, right? Like, you know, I can pay for my coffee, baby, And yeah, actually, Pret subscription, 20 pounds saved my life, right? <laughs> like, you know, uh, that really helped out. My daily diet was like an oat mocha in the morning, which is why I still do that. Um, and then I had like a croissant, like, you know, from Sainsbury, because in Sainsbury, it's ATP, and in Pret it was £2.20 or something like that. So, like, arbitrage, right? Like, I buy the croissants from Sainsbury, it's like early in the morning, because it's fresh, uh, and then I get the Coffee from practice, subscription, do that three times a day. Um, So that was fun. To
1: make value for money, obviously.
0: Of course. And like to also be full. (laughs) So no, it's not like, again, it's not like a rags to riches or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. It's not that at all. I actually think that you have to have a certain level of like, you know, privilege to be able to even take this decision because like you don't have to provide for your family. You don't have to do all these things. And I basically asked my parents, give me one year, right? Just give me one year. Like, you've already given me that extra time anyways. Just, like, let me do this for one year and see what happens. And I was getting the question every day. Joel, are you sure you don't want to do banking? You don't want to do banking? Like, i sure. i sure. I think you should do banking. Do a master's. Do a master's, right? (laughs) And, like, even today, I get that, actually, which is funny. But, like, (laughs) it just happens. Um, But, yeah, like, that's effectively a little bit of that. I forgot
1: where I... Yeah, uh, I mean, I think it's so funny. Like, we're talking about all this and, like, going back to, like finally all of that and i so vividly remember that i think it was like covid and we were going on this walk near um big ben and then you were like telling me what like your startup idea is gonna be and i think initially you wanted it to be like tinder for like investors and stuff yeah, like yeah, that yeah. so like obviously crowd has pivoted quite a bit since then yeah so yeah. what are your thoughts on pivoting and like yeah given that you've done a fair, fair share of it
0: yeah
1: um what do you think that it looks like in a business? Yeah,
0: I mean I think we completely scrapped that Tinder for investors piece like <laughs> altogether. And also I never used Tinder at the time. So I didn't realize like the dynamics of the platform at all. Um, at in the fact time. Yeah. <laughs> oh so, <laughs> so, are you so no, no 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 no. Guys, please, please. I only like, you know, through mutual friends. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> maybe sometimes not that either. <laughs> but um, To be honest, like swiping on sort of, you know, founders to invest in is actually not as easy as swiping on people to go on dates with or whatever it might be, way higher stakes. Um, But my thesis was that, you know, you could invest, uh, sort of have more women invest in women founders so that like you just have more decision makers, like where women like taking decisions on women, right? As opposed to just like only men, like, you know, this making decisions on which moment to invest in so that that was kind of the logic there but anyways like that didn't work out right um and then yeah like we in terms of pivoting i think what i've realized is that startups is not a one year two year kind of game you have to view it as a decade-long like stint and it's just a marathon basically so Most people lose in startups because the founder just stops trying after a certain point because they've either run out of money or because of like, you know, people like conflicts and things like that. But the longer you are in the race, the better the odds you have, in my opinion. Right. So um, for us, it's about like making sure that cash flow is coming through in one way or another. Somehow we're generating revenue. So at one point, I remember we took on like an agency kind of role just to keep the money coming in. So if we can like, you know, offset some amount of the burn at least. Um, and with pivoting, I think like our investors get behind us to build a billion dollar business. And like, if that initial vision doesn't work out due to a systemic risk or due to a market risk or something like that, you have to pivot, right? Or you return capital and then you call it a day. But for me, I think in the time when it was like, you know, so hard to see the business vision clearly What I woke up and saw every day was a team of 10 people that I really believed in, right? A team of people that I believe could build just about anything. And it's very rare to find a team like that. It's very rare to have technical co-founders. It's very rare who you can trust and, you know, who are loyal to you. Because I think, like, I'm sure we'll get into all of that later, but, like, with pivoting in general, people make it easier, right? Like, if you cannot wake up and be excited about the people that you work with every single day, then it becomes very difficult for you to go back and like keep chipping at the wall. Because, you know, there's this uh, poster image of a guy that's like digging in a tunnel and there's like two floors. And one person is just like a lot further away from the diamond, but he's still chipping away. Because the other person reaches the very edge and then gives up. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's kind of like you're almost there and now with like our current version of the business and what kendall is today we're seeing revenue come in in a meaningful way and like it no one could have told me that i would have become a prop tech founder ever right i wouldn't have called that i did not like like the real estate business was not something that my family was involved in or that i was involved in in any meaningful way um so yeah like life happens i guess and like you know people make pivoting much much more meaningful and easier yeah
1: why don't you give us like a snapshot of like every pivot that you got like just in half a sentence because like i think it's really interesting to see from where you were to where you are now yeah so like quick <laughs>
0: like, yeah quick. Get, get get you <laughs> okay so Crowdpad first iteration was a building the world's first mobile social token app on top of Solana so that you can invest in content creators, so scan their QR code while they're busking on the street, invest in them, have incentives both ways so that you can share all of their posts like everything um, so that they can grow and you can grow. It was the human IPO, right? That's what that was. Um, eventually uh, posts like a bunch of, I mean I'm not going to get into reasoning, we then pivoted into like a user-generated content marketplace for brands and creators. Um, that didn't work out, and then we pivoted into a bank for creators at one point, which was like branded credit cards with creators like on there, and then you could do like affiliate to them so they can earn money in their sleep. So if you use a let's say a the weekend's card at like you know Zara or whatever, then the weekend gets money just because his card was used at the place. But then you'd be competing in the credit card business with the likes of Amex and like local national banks, whatever. Um, so not feasible as well. You're like, let's take away the financial component. Let's work on loyalty programs. And then you realize that loyalty is like a later down the marketing stack kind of thing, because you have awareness, distribution, retention, right? Retention is the last stack; It's not like the first. Yeah. Then you work your way downstream to awareness. And that's when you have social media management. Um, and then I was doing the social media management thing. It was a simple chatbot where I was actually replying to people as AI. And then like, you know, people seem to pay for like a $99 chatbot or something like that. Um, and that's when I sort of meet a gentleman called Daniel Daggers in the UK, in, in London, and spent some time like working out with his sort of agents in the office as well. And realize like, you know, real estate agents actually... Have so much on their plate, and they should just focus on selling. Uh, but instead, they're sometimes wasting like they might have to waste their time editing, or they have to send it to the social media manager who doesn't have enough bandwidth. And then they actually have a really good content team, but a lot of other brokerages don't have dedicated, personalized like content teams and things like that. And um, that's when I was like, you know, if every real estate agent were to become an influencer, or which they already are trying to yeah. be, how do they have meaningful content going out consistently? and there is a high willingness to pay there because the average cost of a social media agency is like 2,500 bucks a month. Let's say reasonably speaking, a social media manager sets you back between 70 and 100K a year dollars Um, and they can do like one brand account and maybe one agent account. So that's not really a lot. And you have like, let's say 200 brokers in an agency for instance, right? So that's when I was like, there's an opportunity here to disrupt this category, go after a per agent sort of model, or a per-brokerage model and, like, you know, really do something um, cool. And with automated workflows and AI, like, that becomes a lot more meaningful. That's what Kendall is today. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to give you an insight into where it's going as well. Yeah. I don't know how long you think this podcast is, they are saying stuff later. I'm happy to give you an insight. Uh, Relax. <laughs> okay, okay, okay.
2: But also, I think um, yeah. if you go back and see what you were doing with Solana, Right, you were focusing on creators yeah. and the content consumer. So that's a very large number of people. Yeah. Now if you come to Kendall, you're focusing on real estate brokers and brokerages. So it's yeah. a very small niche. subset. Yeah. Right. So and there's a lot of businesses that pivot to a niche. Right? Yeah. Why did you choose building for your niche? And how do you see because you don't wanna you're not reducing the eventual value you wanna get out of your business, right? But by focusing on a niche, you still see that value coming out.
0: So yeah. how do you I think what you realize is that most um, businesses are flywheels and most like successful businesses are flywheels, right? Like Apple, Microsoft, et cetera, like they all have like different parts of that funnel. Um, And it's the same with real estate. Like I think you start at the broker brokerage kind of part of the equation, and then you can sort of move into all sorts of things because they control distribution towards clients. So let's say you wanted to jump into real world asset tokenization, right? Putting real estate on blockchain. People think it's about building the tech for blockchain that can put real estate on blockchain first and all this kind of stuff. But it's actually, do you know a client that's willing to put their house on chain, right? Like, and who knows those clients? The brokers know the clients. Um, what about the fact that you know real estate agents are going more and more independent, right? The fact that they're going away from their brokerages, they want to control their own distribution. They're only making like the two point five percent commission in some cases less than that, and they want those extra percentage points. Um, The way to do that is like, you know, use your own credibility and basically sell to the audience directly. And when you're doing that, it's like, oh, like, so I need like an admin team, I need a sales team, I need an ops team, legal team, finance team. And like, you're like, wait, so there's an opportunity here for the front and back office of real estate. So there's that, there's so many avenues when you break it down into a value chain and a flywheel, as opposed to looking at it as just like trying to attack it all at once. And the only thing I'd say to the niche part is like, you need to build a niche so that you can build distribution, right? And distribution and sales solves all problems. So that's kind of like um, where I'm like, why we decided to focus and hone down. It's just a learning and exp- like, you know, an expensive learning as well. Yeah. But like, um, yeah, that's what it is. So agreed, fully
2: agreed that, you know, distribution and sales makes up like a lot of what you do. Yeah. The value is going to come out of that because that's how you hit volume and everything. Yeah. Um, and in fact, we spoke about this in our previous episode as well, That like a two time founder, a second time founder focuses on distribution more than product itself. But of course, with, for example, something like the the original idea, you're expecting to get that value a lot quicker, except that in this case, now with Kendall, you're kind of tackling it one at a time. And that value will come for sure, but the timeline is a lot further and then of course your funding runway is still planned out according to the initial idea so how do you manage that yeah. do you fundraise again do you try to extend it combination what do you do
0: yeah so i think like you said it's a combination of things right um we extended our runway as soon as we made the pivot cuz we needed to like find product market fit yeah. and like you know do that whole journey from 0 to 1 again so we reduced burn by like almost 30% overall uh and like at the top of like you know realizing that we needed to pivot that extended our runway from literally like I think about 16 to 24 months easily just then itself. So you went from having like close to little to no time to then having two years in the bank. Right. Um, and now, like, you know, about uh, like a significant amount of time into that journey. I'm so glad that we did that. It was short term disappointment because you could potentially lose people from cutting salaries and things like that. Or uh, and, in you know, obviously letting people go as well. It's a combination of that. But luckily for us, we've had the opportunity to sort of have like some really amazing people on our team and they realize the vision and the value of the team and sort of like that's the reason they stay, not just the money part, which has been really helpful. Um, So I guess like that's one way to kind of, you know, cutting burn, managing your expenses. That's like a big part of it. I really don't like the idea of raising money without sort of having something to supercharge right? If you are still at the stage where you're still figuring things out, there's no need to bring in more capital. Um, I think that if you figured out a land and expand, so let's say one agent at a brokerage uses us, and then five agents at the same brokerages using us, and that pattern is repeating across like 20 brokerages, yeah. that's when I'm like, if I put in $2 million here, I'm going to get $10 million out, right? That's when you should go and raise money. Um, but until that point, you really don't. And, you know, with the, your point about sales taking time to catch up and things like that, it's a very valid concern. Um, my goal is to just land into as many different firms as possible and then have it expand um, over a period of time and do whatever it takes to accelerate that. A lot of that has to do with, out, like, you know, your content marketing and getting more things inbound and getting, like... You know, with social media, we have this unique opportunity of, I think I was writing this LinkedIn post just before coming in here, right? <laughs> like <clears throat> why you do it, right? You want to be like, when you send a customer a constant follow up of like, Hey, did you, did you do this? Are you subscribed yet? Do you want to do this? Do you, it's very annoying. But if you're just top of mind without being in their face, it's like, wait, they're still kicking. Right. So with or without this, they're going to do like, you know, like they're going to do it. Right. And then you're just like, okay, maybe I'll consider like replying to this guy. Uh, or maybe I'll follow up in like two months' time when we made progress and like, hey, last time I did like you know reach out, yeah. we only had this, and now we have this. Um, that plus you know being top of mind ends up being a sale, right? So that's kind of an interesting like dynamic in sales that's been very useful to sort of observe. Uh, but yeah, I think that's kind of how I look at it.
2: By the way, did you see our script before we started? Because somehow. Yeah. Your transition from like one of our questions to the next has been probably the most seamless we've ever had. Like we've barely had to go
0: off script here. Yeah. Wow. Well, I don't know. We, we, we great minds think alike. You know what I'm saying? I don't know who else you've had on the podcast, but like. Uh, so, but guys. really. Are like, you
1: not? No, I thought you've subscribed. No, 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 no. no, no. I,
0: I watch all the five shorts that you post for every single um, episode. Like, so you no consume whatever. 1% of our actual content. No, no. I mean, it's, it's really, yeah, let's focus, let's focus, let's focus on the important things here, me, let's talk about it, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, um, uh,
1: yeah, no, so you were talking about uh, the LinkedIn post that you are writing, yeah. so the last few years, whether it's LinkedIn or Instagram, you've tried to have, like, a social presence yeah. online, yeah, Um, what's your reasoning for that, other than just, like, the, being on top of mind, of being, like the notch that you're giving people.
2: She's asked this question in a much nicer format than I just and then also Tell me the tell me the crude
0: version. Let's go.
1: You maintain a strong social presence on social media. Sometimes too strong. <laughs> <laughs> Why does that matter?
0: Um okay so I think in the beginning I was really drawn to the attention that that was not being given to it. Like, I think a lot of people were not doing it in the same way I was doing it uh, way back in university because people were using it to message MDs at banks and stuff like that to get internships. And then i was posting youtube videos um, oh, and on my sort of linkedin page if you look at my pinned post there's one that's called why i'm withdrawing all my graduate job applications yep. yeah yeah and that was like an interesting video to put out because i was like that was a big claim for me to make it was on new year's day and i was like i'm done with all that there's still like six months to 12 months in the recruitment cycle and i was like screw it i'm done like i'm not gonna get involved with this stuff. Um, and I put it out for the world to see. And a lot I also of people, remember yeah. that you
1: said that, that that's my accountability. Like yeah. Now that I've yeah. said it, like it's, I'm not yeah. going
0: back. And, like, and most things like that on social media, I really like try, try to stick to it because I'm like my accountability group is everybody, right? Um, because people can say this guy is just bullshitting, right? Like, and I'm like, no, actually look back at that post, right? And I said that then and I just put it into the world that, you know, I'm going to be focused on this and whatever I do, I'm going to share with you guys. So everyone that saw me before Fundraise knew that I was working on something or the other like every single month something was going on right so they would they weren't surprised to see that there was a fundraise announcement or whatever um, they didn't necessarily care what it was or who like you know all this kind of yeah. stuff but they knew that I'd been on a journey and I think it's important to take people with you on that journey in a world where everything is commoditized um i think it's so important to have distribution and like individuality that comes through like people need to have that parasocial relationship with you where they kind of know what you're about even though they don't necessarily know every single detail right um so there's a fine line there for sure um sometimes i've crossed it i would say like with like you know my mom always says you when you're going to the bathroom also you post like on social media like you know what i'm saying it's like it's very interesting right but um I've seen it add a ton of value. I've gotten internships, podcasts, uh, like guests. Uh, I also did the podcast thing, like you know, at one point, uh, Chai with CEOs, Chai with startup <laughs> CEOs. I got like Y Combinator founders to come on and like share their advice, and then like eventually learned how to fundraise myself, raise more money than them as well. I'm sorry, <laughs> um, no, 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 that's not what I mean. It's not a measure of success. I get it. Stop, don't <laughs> cancel me, please. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of. You know I'm like, very
2: surprised absolutely. you haven't got yeah. cancelled yet.
0: I, I'm waiting to be cancelled. <laughs> you know, there's this guy in uh, Bollywood now, his name is Ori, and this yeah. dude thrives on being like cancelled or something Have like that. Have you watched the it.
1: last episode of Coffee with Karin. no He's planning his demise.
0: Uh, to be honest, with Coffee with Karan I only liked the Runway Deepika episode. After that I was kind of
1: like oh, okay. you know. I like yeah. the Bottom
0: Inside episode. Yeah. That I, was fine. I didn't see it. Yeah, yeah. Messed up. You're into one of them, I'm guessing. Right. yeah, <laughs> okay, that's I I <laughs> Oh, are they? okay, it's like, I, I'm not caught up. I'm not caught up.
2: Does that make you more into them?
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 obviously. <laughs> um, so yeah, into like the whole like social media game, uh, you also like network quite a bit, like whether that's on LinkedIn in person or like through social media as well. Um, what has that journey been, and like, why were you always that comfortable with networking, or did you intend like put intention behind it to get you? Like all these opportunities that you have had so far. This
0: is a really tough one because I've had like ups and downs with it. Like, um, So in the beginning, I didn't know how to sell myself. I didn't know how to pitch myself. And I think I had that traditional mentality of, oh my God, someone's giving me their time of day, so I owe them something or like, you know, I should be borderline subservient for that fact, you know what I'm saying? And then I realized that the only reason that they're talking to me is because I also bring some value into the room. Otherwise, they just wouldn't give you a time of day because everyone's busy and, like, they don't need to give you time. So um, I think that's what I realized about networking, the fact that, like, you know, you also bring value, something you should keep in mind, and, like, that's what drives a lot of your sort of self-esteem. And when you're meeting people, I hate being a fan. You'll never, ever see me go up to a celebrity and try to take a selfie with them or anything like that. It just is the most off-putting thing I've seen. It's jarring to me. that people throw themselves at celebrities like that, right? I, I actually feel like you almost lose all respect for that person. And then you can't, even if they're a person of substance, you just can't see them for the substance anymore. You can only see them for their fandom. And then that's very irritating. So what I've realized is like, get myself to a sufficient position of leverage before I meet someone of that like level, otherwise you're just going to be a fanboy, and like that's why like I've always been in rooms with like I mean off late at least with like very significant people, but I've realized that like going up to them without any meaningful contribution is pointless, so I just don't do it anyways. Because you're like not even a memory at that point, yeah. and you want to be memorable. Yeah.
2: Someone once asked me, how would you feel? I'll, like I love F1, and Lewis Hamilton's my favorite yeah. driver, and someone once asked me, how would you feel if you met him? And, or if you were in the same room as him, and I said, I would feel nothing. Give yeah. me a five minute conversation with him, five minutes, or two minutes, or like even a minute. Yeah. Like, give me a conversation with him, and I'll be over them. All. Because, yeah. like, that's where the value
0: is. I'm not fussed about breathing the same air as him, yeah. unless I'm talking to him. Yeah. So, there was this, uh, you guys will actually laugh at this, but um, there was a Ukrainian village in New York, right? I was uh, getting coffee with my friend KP, um, and basically, I saw. Um, Roman Roy from Succession right on the street right he's walking on the street he's got his stroller um, his wife's there his kid's there um, and KP was like bro like why aren't you going to see you love Succession and all you guys know like literally just before this thing I posted something in Succession music and stuff I love Succession our product's called Kendall Kendall Roy whatever right you know but I was like I'm not gonna go and say hello to him like because I don't want to be a fan like I'm not gonna go and like you know interrupt his family time And rest assured. Two minutes later, someone was like, can we please get a picture with you? And he was like, I'm so sorry. I'm with my family. Like, you know. And yeah. I was just like, you got to read the room and like, you yeah. got to understand the value you bring. Otherwise, it's just not like, you know, even though I love the show and stuff like that, I'm never ever like, You know, I've seen the behind the scenes of the celebrity life and, like, you know, like, not being one, but, like, you know, (laughs) yet. Uh, But, like, more so, like, seeing what they... Like, they'll get on the selfie kind of screen. They'll post something, like, guys, you are so excited. Like, they'll drop it like, oh, my God, I'm so tired. like You know, it's very, like, different, right? Um, Yeah. They have a different type of difficulty in their life. And, like, you know, obviously not many people relate to that. Some people call it, like, privilege, whatever. But, like, the point is, like... It's not as glamorous as they make it out to be. And sometimes it's very hard to have bandwidth for so many people. So with networking now, I'm very intentional or I just don't go. Before I used to try to go to a room of thousand people and just hope I find that one person. Now, if I'm not the person of leverage in the room, I try to avoid going as much as possible. Uh, but obviously, when you're in a new industry, you're trying to make a mark. You try to be yeah. in those new rooms and then you have to hustle your way up. It's just circle of life Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, so on that note, we'll go to our next challenge. This one's called Two Truths and a Lie. Yeah. Um, the idea is you give us three statements uh, from your entire journey so far. It can be challenges, accomplishments. It can be personal. It can be business related. But two of them have to be true and one has to be false. Mm. We have to guess which is the false statement. Interesting. And you have to think hard because we know you well. You, you know me really well. Yeah. is going
0: to be so hard. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's the point. All right. All right uh will I just start yeah? yeah yeah cool so i take two flights a month right you know that's my standard um i drink a uh, flat white you know all the time like uh, and that's my new choice of drink actually um and lastly i drive a tesla model y the
1: last one's a lie right he changed his car
2: he changes car all the time. So. I,
1: think
2: I know that. I also know also, this month he's taking four flights, like the next month. He's yeah. taking four flights. <laughs> his standard might be two.
1: No, but I think his standard he used to. Uh,
2: and his drink is about like, Mocha, he just said it. But, yeah, but, like but it used to be he used to. I'm in honor
1: of that, before.
2: And I feel like he's also the kind of person that would do all three lies. Yeah,
1: man. <laughs> no, all three truths. He you have so many lies.
2: Mm. No, I know it's, it's fair to four flights, it might be on average to a month. Yeah,
1: I thought it was more than that.
2: <laughs> no, no there's th- also two, three flights. months since where he doesn't travel. So on average, it might be like, basically 24 flights a year. He did more. Yeah, uh, you know what, I'm gonna go with more than because I know you're currently driving a uh, uh, 3 series. Mm-hmm. And you're going back to a 3 series, red to black. So, M3, but like... M3? So, <laughs> sorry. But uh, yeah. Yeah, but
0: that's what I said as Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah, I would say that's (laughs) right, like I don't drive a Model Y. Um, Flat whites is becoming a new thing because like the chocolate is really not healthy apparently. Um, Unless it's
2: dark chocolate.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, (laughs) No, actually, like if it's like above
2: 75%
0: dark chocolate,
2: it's actually very good for your heart. Sure. Yeah.
0: No, um, no, I, I get it, I get it, and, and then the two flights a month thing is an average, sometimes can be more or less, but like it's fairly true, like, flights it it, a yeah. it's okay, that's <laughs> <right>. cool,
1: Continue. <laughs> Why is <laughs> it so empty, Mahmoud?
0: Nah, it's just, this, yeah, high burn rate, that's, the oh, like yeah, rate. yeah, this is good. That's, well,
1: <laughs> uh, no, <look>. argument started, you come on it. Yeah. Will people from Crowdpad uh, watch this? Mm.
0: I don't know. I, I, Do we want maybe. to store some shit? Maybe. 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 Why not? Why not? I'm always done with shit. We know. <laughs> we
1: know. <laughs> but yeah, okay. okay, moving on to our next game. It's yeah. called Red Flags. Uh, we're going to give you three situations okay. from which uh, each situation is going to have three statements, two of which are going good, and one is the red flag. And then you have to choose which situation you would rather be in. Mm. So, situation one. Kendall AI has more than 500 monthly paying users. You have successfully raised your next round of funding, but Dushty, your co-founder, has to leave the business for personal reasons. Situation two, um, the Kendall AI team has grown to 100 people. Eventually, Kendall AI's services are expanded beyond real estate, but you're at the end of your funding runway and don't see potential to raise anytime soon. Situation three, you see a market for the original crowdbad idea growing, you are possibly invited to give a TED talk, but your investors are not happy with the direction you're going in. So these are your three situations. You have to tell us which situation you would rather be in.
0: Hmm. Um, I think situation one.
1: We are storing Sharnabhs so, because Drishti is. No, no,
0: but it says she's leaving for personal reasons, yeah. right? Like, I would respect that. Like, as in she's given a lot of time and effort and hard work into this. If she just step back because of personal reasons, I would respect that completely. Um as long as it's not like, you know, betrayal or like something cruel like that or like some conflict and stuff like that. That's where it's I would not, like, it's personal. Yeah, 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 like, it's like, it's like yeah, no, I would fully respect that. Like she's
2: But is that hard. does that mean that the green flags in situation one are uh, that
0: great that you would be okay with that? Um I would say it's it's fine like you know because like the thing is it's not about the green flag actually. you see the and, red
1: flags and the others are way worse.
0: Yeah, I, I think so. like the end of the funding runway plus don't see potential that's bad for the whole team, not just one person um, your investors are not happy and with the direction you're going in. it's generally not about like them like you know not being happy with the direction you're going, in, but also the fact that they placed a bet on you right they took yeah. a bet on you and nobody else <clears> did. Um, and there's a certain like responsibility you have to do right by that um whereas a, a co-founder leaving for personal reasons after working really hard and giving their time to this uh, there is a reason and for moving it. Like, the, the thing the needle from a to b I, like is really really hard so yeah like i I think that's fair so that it's more about like the red the as opposed to the green I think the green is always changing and like you know it's whatever right yeah yeah fair enough yeah
2: Cool. Now we'll go on to our last segment, Yeah. the rapid fire. Mm-hmm. So this is, I mean, it's self-explanatory, right? right? And You know what you actually know the reshape rapid fire, et cetera, as well. So we'll just go dive right yes. in. <laughs> go on.
0: I love it. I love it. Please continue. Anyway, I'm born for interviews. <laughs> <laughs> oh. How many
2: all-nighters did you pull in your first year of Candle AI? A lot. Okay. How many days of leave have you taken in the last year?
0: Uh, including weekends?
2: No. no. Um,
0: probably like two.
2: Okay. What is the
0: scrappiest thing that you've done to build your business? I was replying to messages as AI uh, <laughs> on a WhatsApp chatbot. Yeah.
2: What is your dream product feature you wish to build with Kendal AI?
0: But this is not going to happen. Like as in, like I I'm not necessarily going. It depends on what the customer wants, right? But, yeah, but like a dream that you like, like you want this feature to be there and hope, like it works out. It works out. I mean, I would really like Kendall to be like how Siri or Alexa is, but to real estate agents, basically, right? So front and back office, but like handheld on your phone, you just do business on WhatsApp or something. Nice, like that, then, great yeah. answer. Yeah.
2: Did you have a question whether it was worth it? No. No. What was your proudest moment with Kendall AI?
0: Getting our first paying customer. <laughs> <laughs> What's the weirdest place from where you've worked? The kitchen. Uh, <laughs> um, in like where I was staying in, in Pimlico, I think I don't know if you guys ever came to that apartment, but we didn't have a living room, we only had a kitchen. So I just worked out of the kitchen. <laughs> and, like and that was like what it was. And I was sharing with like these two other dudes and was,
2: yeah. Okay, you probably have like five answers for this, but what was your biggest sacrifice to make Kendall
0: AI possible? Relationships, um, with like, you know, friends, family, um, Partners. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, that was what, yeah, that was probably the biggest.
2: What was one time you felt like you let Kendall AI down?
0: Before Kendall AI became Kendall AI as it is today. I felt like, you know, so many people trust me to kind of build this thing and like be the visionary person or whatever. Um, but like, it's not always clear. And like, it took a lot of time before we got here, even, um, before we reached that niche kind of a thing. So until then I felt like I was letting everyone down. Yeah.
2: What's your biggest fear?
0: My biggest fear? Uh, rapid fire. Yeah. It's making sure that like, you know, everyone that came into Kendall or Crowdpad like leaves better off as opposed to like, like if they leave worse off, I would be really upset. Yeah. yeah.
2: Would you ever retire? No. Which hobby of yours did your work kill? You yeah. do really.
1: yeah.
0: you have hobbies? No. <laughs> 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 that, was, that was my... Uh, my hobby is... Uh, no, I hate to say it. I, I, I still drive, I get tired, like, you know. And my one of my friends, uh, Daniel... Actually, <laughs> I, I swear, uh, so Daniel Daggers, he, we were in the car. We were getting coffee or something like that. And he was just like... So whenever a girl tells asks you what you do for fun, don't say you drink chai. Like that's, <laughs> not, that's not fun, bro. I was just like, but it's that vibe, you know. I vibe, get what you mean totally. Because I'm, I'm an avid chai drinker,
2: yeah. but uh, I think unless someone is a chai drinker, they don't get. They it. They don't get it. And yeah. like, yeah. So that you need to find a, a chai drinker
0: yeah. for a partner. Sure, sure. <laughs> if you're
1: listening, <laughs> <it's> great, <but laughs> slide into the DMs. Slide into it.
2: <laughs> books or podcasts. Podcasts. iPad or notebook? Neither. Day or night? Night. And what's your favorite social media? Instagram. Cool, so that concludes our rapid fire segment, which almost brings us to the end of our conversation. We ask every one of our guests at the end to ask our next guest a question. So we're now gonna ask you, we're gonna let our previous guest ask you that question. Oh shoot. So my question is, um, if a larger competitor A larger name, a larger brand comes into the market with a larger capital and more resources. How would you deal with it? And if 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 they threaten to take over most of your market share, how would you deal with that? Like this is such a good question for you. Yeah, Yeah. because the tech is a very like tech is a very competitive space, right? Like,
0: yeah, Yeah. I think there's a lot of different aspects to that question, right? A larger competitor can be anyone, right? Like can be Microsoft in this case, right? Um, I think the problem is that anyone can build, like, technology, but not everyone can build distribution, uh, or at least not, they'd have to acquire it in a meaningful way. Um, And for that, they would either need to, like, take us out completely or, like, have their SDRs or VDRs, whatever, like, talk to real estate agents every single day. And I don't think that's as easy as people make it out to be. Um, I do think it will be easy for them to build a posting tool, a scheduling tool, a video editing tool, whatever, but it's not going to be as easy for them to, like, pick up the phone, build relationship with like sort of several real estate agents all over the world and gain their trust because the real estate business is a trust business. Um, and it's not just about tech. So that's what I think like, you know, would happen in that case. Um, but yeah, I mean like my answer to competition is very straightforward. I'm gonna keep focusing on my customers. I'm gonna keep focusing on what they want as long as they're paying for the product and like there's expansion there. It doesn't bother me who else is in the market because there's always competition. So, yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. no answer.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, that sounds
1: good. Fun fact, yeah. actually, we recorded, like, the first episode of Breaking Uneven was a joke. Yeah. Also, that went out. Wow. Wow. Uh, and when, you don't even know the, well, you don't yeah. even know it didn't go up, that's why it didn't go up.
2: Oh, okay, <laughs> Okay, very interesting. But I completely forgot about it, like mid-recording
1: right yeah. now, I'm like, oh my god, like the first episode. Remember wait, the reshape one? It took us so long to Oh, that time. one? Yeah. Oh,
0: okay, okay, okay. The one with
1: even and vocal.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It had so many glitches because of all the front ah. and back and like Duh. the sound, everyone cutting out. And now,
0: yeah. guess number what? 51. Uh,
2: 52. 52? 52.
0: Wow. 52. wow. 52?
2: Yeah, but you were talking
0: me. about getting people's business class tickets or something like that. Something. Like, where was my ticket? <laughs> 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 I mean, you were Oh, okay, okay, okay. Gotcha.
2: But, uh, <laughs> this has been <laughs> such like a fun and wholesome episode. Yeah. Like it's been so. Like, surprisingly, we
0: didn't have our reshape at all, but like yeah. that was
2: something that
1: we worked together on. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's so much more, I guess. Like, we could talk speak about, yeah, yeah, in terms of like everything and how we work together, yeah, but yeah, so it's been nice. Like, yeah. I
2: think we saw a very on. good balance yeah. of like your company, our like history, and then also like a bit of university because that's also another thing. We no, I happen. mean,
0: we didn't really talk about that part, did we? Like, as in, especially the part where I hated on it at first, to be honest, like, it wasn't always this. <laughs> love relationship um, wait what? yeah everyone because, started no the because thing. he was he was in our econ class and the guy would answer every single question and I was like
2: come on bro, bro yeah because coming out of school I was a bit of a no I all mean, and I, then within I, like yeah. two months at you LSE it fully flipped. Like, do you think like
1: our friend group changed you?
2: no if anything y'all would have made me like more studious but the thing is That's I became stupid, like,
1: like more normal <laughs>
2: No, no no i do think i do think yeah. you guys disciplined me quite a bit because yeah. again you're you are the average of the five people around you yeah so because all of y'all was so freaking disciplined i think that helped me quite a bit yeah. but in terms of academics i think very quickly when i got to university i realized that there's a whole bunch of shit i need to do outside of the classroom yeah but i think i went a little extreme and completely forgot about the classroom yeah. um where i pretty much maintained zero attendance at lectures and minimum at minimum attendance yeah,
0: in yeah. class. The thing is you do that and still be able to answer all of the yeah. questions and get all But I also out.
1: know people that hated you in AC one or because you kept putting your hand down. Oh
0: <laughs> yeah that was like, to be fair like that was my more, so than it was the, more thing thing. the same. Yeah so it's with Econ I was in the yeah. like it's like fair fair no I get it but yeah now nah, it's been like for us also we've done like so much stuff like we, we literally went on those off sites with the whole private yeah. access team to like random places and like met with totally like very like they're all strangers to us right and we were just like like the whole company was basically full of like europeans and like you know yeah. and we were the only like indian folks on we that. we started like
1: the indian yeah, yeah. and so, it was wow. just like very
0: different like culturally because like also it's not like i was born in london or anything i didn't grow up into that that degree of multicultural even though my school was international we were 90 indian right so it's just like that was very different to like adopt to their ways of like communicating, their ways of like, you know, accepting feedback is like, that was also different for us. And like, it was really nice to like tackle it all together and just to like, you know, bounce off of each other in terms of like our ideas and stuff like that um, from so early on. Like, yeah. I think also one, I
1: like, think that Project Access did incredibly well was community building. Mm. Like, their Slack channel, if you've joined so many other Slack channels yeah. and stuff like that, it's not active. There, it's active to another degree. Like the ones that are non-work related. Yeah. Like the way they got everyone part, like feeling a part of something was through the roof. Like it was really, I think it was like inspiring to sort of extent yeah. when we started like Reshift to Start, something like that. But I don't think we came even like close to we yeah.
2: Yeah. scale did. of reshape also quite quickly though. Yeah, that was companies, oh, yeah. 200 000 000
1: 000. volunteers Yeah,
0: that at all. Crazy, that was, yeah, we <laughs> didn't, did yeah, it, yeah. like, you know, every day of the pandemic, we're just basically waking up and like, okay, like clients, people, Yeah. yeah oh, okay, yeah. like, it was,
1: it was crazy. But, and just, i on video call for so long. Yeah, because of the
2: media, media side of things, we were just like,
1: Cause he would, like, and we went well,
2: well into our jobs. We used to like every evening fucking get on a video yeah. call after work and shit like yeah. that. Yeah. Then they used to go for door, to
1: the away from me. So then I used to go to yeah. theirs. And then we
2: tried to like figure out how can we continue being on reshape and still do our jobs. Like yeah. contractually, not yeah. <laughs> doing anything else and stuff yeah. and now I realize that doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, like, they, they don't, don't care. Yeah. They
0: don't give a shit. So,
2: man. <laughs> I applied at Deloitte. I said I have another thing. I'm working like and, for, like... and I, I just never got a response because they don't
0: give a shit. That compliance team doesn't care at all. Yeah, I think we think of it as oh, but we could become next Deloitte. Like you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but <laughs> no, but also, now even about that,
1: because right. it's a we were violation of a um, visa if we were doing something other than our job. Yeah. But technically, but we were not making money, so I don't think that yeah, like, yeah. that was the exact. Because like, yeah, my manager knew. Like he still asks me, like, when I was still working and like later after moving jobs or so, he would still ask me, being like, oh, like what's going on with that and stuff. Yeah. And that's like everyone kind of knew because it was like publicly there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. weren't shy about it. Yeah.
2: Which is interesting. But like, <laughs> I mean we were doing interviews with our faces and putting them up on yeah. YouTube. Yeah. So. Literally, literally. Yeah,
1: actually that's another fun fact. I and mean, even used to be part, like used to be a show we was started inspired
2: a by R-shape.
1: Good and times.
0: Good times. I, I mean, yeah. I'm so glad because we worked on first oh, so, yeah. the sustainable fashion thing and then we worked on Project Access and then uh, I was oh, like, yes. wait like, and then Gokul had also worked with us on the oh, so. fashion thing as well and it was just like a strange mix of like worlds colliding kind of a thing when it happened yeah. um, and even Shane like, you know was yeah. on the no, Project, yeah, the access, project like access like group chat whatever we were like hey, who wants to work on this she was like oh, that's a and then today, if you look at it, we're all still, like, connected really well. Uh, all still, like, Gokul's our head of operations now, yeah. right? Yeah. Sheen lives in Dubai. Both of us
1: still work together. Both of us still work <laughs> together. Still work together, right? Sheen is, still, like, yeah. close, in the sense, like, I literally went to Dubai and I met her. So, yeah. like, we're still all in touch.
0: Yep, yep. And we hang out all the time in Dubai as well. That's actually mad. Yeah. yeah. I
2: never never thought of that.
0: way. Yeah. And she, she went on to do her dreams, right? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. like you know, build, build, building her own podcast and stuff like that. Um oh. Man, it's crazy. I, yeah it is actually quite crazy to see how far we've come and also like the things that we did in times where everyone else was just doing like the set things um today it feels like not such a big deal like you know because it's all in hindsight but like um you know it's, it's no, really, we, we've insane. yeah
2: we've all al- always like tried to do something that's out okay, of the yeah. regular yeah. track
0: yeah yeah shit cool nice let's end it on that note <laughs> I need brunch
1: <laughs> yeah